You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number 26 of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here today we've got DJ Faldowski. He is an Annapolis graduate and went on later to serve in the Navy SEALs. After the Navy SEALs, he went on to work in financial services and later in operations and business development. We're going to get into that on the show. Welcome to the show, sir. Frank, thank you so much for having me. And congrats on all your success with Boots About Business. It's been a pleasure listening to the other podcasts. And again, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Labor of love. And uh, it's really starting to take off. So that's good. But we've got great guests like you. So thanks for making time. I know you're a busy guy. The first question I always ask gets after the thing that everybody in the service shares together. That is the reason why they joined. What caused you to join the service? Sure. Originally, I didn't have plans to go into the military. Actually, I thought my life was headed in a different direction. But then during my senior year in high school, 9-11 hit. Uh, It's actually a funny story. My old high school history teacher recently sent a picture that he took of that day. And it's us, my classmates and I were around the TV watching the second plane hit the Twin Towers. And it was at that moment, I really didn't know what was going to happen. But I just felt that call to serve what saw me knew it was time to stand up, protect our country. So that's 9-11 is what definitely was my call to serve. And from there, I made the decision to attend the the Naval Academy and learn really about the Navy once I got there. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're the first Annapolis grad I've had on. I've had several folks from West Point. So you're the first one for the Navy. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you get to Annapolis or you end up graduating. What happens next? Where do you go in your career? Like maybe take us through briefly what is what your Annapolis experience was and what you did afterwards. When I first showed up to Annapolis, like I said, I really wasn't quite sure what I was getting myself into. And my only real understanding of the military prior to showing up was my grandparents served in World War II and I used to watch uh, some old Vietnam shows with my dad. And really what I knew about the Navy is that it had ships and that ships went in water. Once I got there, quickly learned there's a lot more to offer. So while at the academy, I was a baseball player. And, you know, eventually you have to figure out what you're going to do in the military. And throughout that process, I had to ask myself, I went back to that core reason of why did I join and serve? And for me, I really wanted to find a community that was on the front lines and I thought I'd be able to make an impact. And that's what led me really into the SEAL teams. And luckily I had great teammates and classmates at the Naval Academy that sent great examples. And some of them went on to be SEALs. So I threw my hat in the ring and tried out and luckily got selected to attend SEAL training. So when did the selection happen? Is that something that happens after you finish the service academy or does that happen while you're still in it? It happens while you're still in it, and it really begins during your junior year. And they have a screener, which is a physically rigorous weekend. They put you through some tests. And then from there, they base it off your grades, your extracurricular activities, your performance while at the academy, and some other things. So you're going through this training. They're sort of prepping you for what you're about to get into. A lot of guys 
will get into the service and they don't really know until they graduate what their assignments are going to be. Do you think that you were well prepared for the SEALs or did you, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, did you know what you were getting into? (laughs) I don't think you can prepare all you want for SEAL training, but no matter how much you prepare, right, it's still going to come at you. And I don't think you could ever be fully prepared. And that's really part of the beauty and the magic about SEAL training is that it's really meant to test everyone. It puts you in an environment where it forces you to lean on each other in terms of a team and really learn how to overcome adversity. Yeah, that's awesome. So I imagine you probably went to a lot of special places, presume multiple deployments. I wonder if there's like a cliff note, like hit some of the highlights of places that you've been. Absolutely. So without being too specific, you know, really my first deployment was in 2008 to Iraq. I spent the next couple of years going back and forth from there for a few deployments. And then really the war efforts switched to Afghanistan, did a few deployments there. And then I switched over to the West Coast and did a deployment to Southeast Asia. That's amazing. So been all around the world. And anybody that served in uniform knows there are good days and bad days. And I like to ask about both of those aspects because, you know, I think it's one of the defining experiences of being in the service. But the first one I'll ask is I always start with the low point and finish on the high point. But what was your worst day in uniform? Sure. I think there's a lot of worst days. And that's because anytime you lose a brother or sister in arms, that always affects you. And that's always a down day. But in particular, it was August 16th, 2012 in Afghanistan. I was at a remote outstation. And that was the day that Patrick Feeks gave his life for our country. And why that was such a low point is actually I was introduced to Patrick at Annapolis. His uh, father was a Navy captain. We got introduced before going to SEAL training. We ended up just kind of luck of the draw being in the same BUDS class. We were in the same boat crew going through Hell Week and through the rest of the training. And then we both ended up being deployed in Afghanistan during the same time. He was with a different team in a different area of the country. And whenever his helicopter was shot down, we got a message that there had been a, an incident and, you know, quickly went to look at the manifest and, you know, saw Pat and Dave both on that list. And it really, really hit home. One, because, you know, we lost great warriors that day. Yeah. But second, I'm sitting probably 50 miles away as the crow flies and there's not much we can do to help a, uh, a local. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, let me flip the question around too. Conversely, there's a lot of good days. What would you say was your best day in uniform? Similar to the worst days, there's also a lot of best days. But, you know, something that I never, ever forget that always just brings pride and joy and good memories is when you're returning home from theater and it's been that long journey across the globe and finally the wheels of your airplane touch down on U.S. soil. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, you know, you, you get down, you kiss the ground, you thank God. And there's not much that tops that feeling. I couldn't agree more. That was my best day too. I'll always be. I'll never forget that. What do you think that you learned in the Navy that sort of stuck with you throughout your life? The lessons are are many. I mean, one, starting on how to be on time. I really wasn't good at that before I got into the service. But maybe some more thoughtful answers. I think the service, for me, first and foremost, it taught me that life isn't all about you, Right. And it's really helped me think about how I look at the world through the lens of a servant leader in the sense that, you know, if you put forth as much effort into those around you, it just really is a more fulfilling life. 
and you can do a lot more and make more of an impact if you focus on the betterment of others. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We're getting into the transition part, right? So you moved over into the, I guess, the civilian world first, then the commercial world. But when you left the service, you had about nine years in, so right about the, just under the 10-year mark. What was it in your mind? What was going through your mind as you were leaving the service? And what was your plan? Sure. So, you know, that question gets asked a lot. So why did you get out? You yeah. Know, me, it was a confluence of a lot of things. I had a, an absolutely awesome, awesome career in the sense I look back with no regret and great pride. But as you know, Frank, it's not a question of if you take off the uniform, it's a question of when. And for me, I recently got married. Liz and I wanted to start a family. And after being deployed, I really felt I wanted to owe that to my family and get that started. Yeah. So you ended up, you did transition, you get out and you decided to go back to graduate school. What was that like? Like, how did you settle on the school and program? And then what was it like going from being deployed on a SEAL team to suddenly being in graduate school? Sure. You asked about what the plan was, and you'll probably start to see a pattern here. I don't know if I had a great plan in the sense that I don't know how well I really marked out the next couple of years of my life, but I did know a few things that I did want to accomplish. One, I wanted to step into business. It definitely intrigued me. Hence why I wanted to get an MBA. And then on the other side, the other degree I went to uh, explore was on the policy side. And for me, you know, service became such an important part of who I am, my life, and my identity. I really knew that one day I want to get back into service of some sort. So I thought that understanding you know, that intersection of business and policy gave me a good understanding of how to be a responsible business leader, right? And also find a way to continue to serve uh, later on down the road. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So when you get ready to run for your presidential bid or make your presidential bid, let me know. I'll, I'll work on your campaign for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying that. I'll serve some forms. But yeah, that's what I was looking to set out really on that path at that intersection of business and policy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty neat. So I found you because Blackstone, the private equity firm, was running some LinkedIn ads promoting its veteran program. And you wound up working for them in private equity before you transitioned to the role that you're in now. But how did you, that's kind of a, a very elite part of finance. Like, how did you wind up in that role? How did you land your first role? Sure. So really, really, the story starts when I was still in school. And Blackstone really does mean what they say when they talk about establishing a, a veteran program and looking out for veterans. And they really make themselves available to help veterans think through that next step in their journey as they transition from the military to civilian life. Uh, so while I was in school, I was introduced to managing director of Blackstone. And I was like, hey, I'm DJ. I don't know much about anything. Can you help me think through my career steps? And he's like, absolutely. Let's get on the phone, come up to New York. Let's talk about it. And from there... He introduced me to different aspects of finance and helped me kind of refine what I wanted to do. And so that mentorship was my first jumping off point with Blackstone. Over the next couple of years, I found another mentor, two mentors actually, very close friends of a SEAL teammate of mine that had an investment firm. And I ended up joining them, worked for them for about two years. And really, you know, they took me under the wing and helped me grow in the finance realm. And then really, Frank, you know, I know we talked about this before, but it, I wanted to get back into what I call people, processes, and problem solving. 
and wanted to get back on the operations side of business. And so, again, Blackstone's always been there. They sponsor a lot of veterans initiatives and gatherings. And so I just kept up with the relationships over time. And I reached back out and Blackstone was still willing to help. And they introduced me to my current firm. It's a portfolio company of theirs. And they helped me think through that. And the company made the mistake of hiring me. And that's where I am. Yeah. Well, clearly they didn't make a mistake. You've got a lot to offer. What is it that you're doing today? I wonder if you give us like a little insight into your day-to-day. Sure. So uh, first and foremost, the company I work for is an emergency response business. And something that attracted me to us right now is just the ability to help people in a time of need. And I thought that was a pretty cool intersection of, you know, it kind of meets that service need as well as what I was trying to do on the professional side as well. And so what I do here is I'm in business development and operations. I say I split my time about 50% in each. And really the business development side, I look at as a lot of, there's a lot of transferable skills from the military, you know, instead of briefing the general, right? And trying to sell the general on a mission, yeah, right? Now I'm trying to sell our services as well. And then on the operations side, it's really looking at running some different programs and some strategic initiatives for the company. What's been the influence of your military experience in your civilian career? Like you mentioned there's some skills that are transferable. Like where do you find yourself doing things day to day? And you're like, ah, and you realize I've been influenced here by my military experiences. Sure. I mean, I think like tactically or some really transferable skills. One is organization, right? Understanding how to organize people, teams, whatever type of unit that's in front of you is definitely transferable. Second is, you know, just a very simple method of understanding how to prioritize and execute. Um, yeah. And I know you know what that's all about, but, you know, just like the business world's complicated, right? You know, just being able to do that, I think, has helped me. And then finally, like, really, it's about risk, right? And I think that's something we're taught pretty well in the military is to understand risk, identify risk, how to mitigate risk, and how to detect any type of risk that you might incur. And I think that's a very valuable skill set as well. Yeah. No, keep going. And then I would say, you know, some things that are definitely just transferable about values and like you asked earlier about lessons learned and what I has left me or has not left me, right, is really three things that I took away. One is being a team player. I just find that very helpful. You get to know new people, learn new things, help people. And when you really put together that team, right, you can, it is that catalyst that causes success. Yeah. Second, and this is more nuanced with the SEAL teams, right? But it's really, I really learned how to embrace failure and overcome it, right? And I think that's something that as veterans, we're used to continuing to push the envelope, right? We understand what it's like to be put in a difficult situation, right? And maybe not do perfectly, but you understand how to, to learn from it and grow from it. And I think that's another transferable skill. And then finally, right, it's really about mastering the basics. And what I mean by that, the civilian world, particularly for me, you know, that transition was difficult because there's so much opportunity in so many different ways that you can go and do and stuff like that, that sometimes you can get paralysis by analysis. But, you know, for me, just setting out, mastering the basics, right, being a team player. And I find that once those things kind of get honed in, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm also struck by the comment on teams. And I hear this from veterans all the time that I interview where 
it's not like the military has a lock on leadership or being a team player. It's that it also forces you to learn how to be a follower because you can be thrown into situations where somebody else is running the game and you just got to figure out how you support them. I couldn't agree more. Look, I think you just completed that statement, right? Because during that transition, we all have to learn new things. And yeah. if we, we let that pride get in our way or we forget how to follow, right? Life simply can get ahead of us. So that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, originally I was going to ask you about, you know, what advice would you have for veterans that are, you know, thinking, thinking about getting out of service or changing careers and getting into finance? I'd still like to ask that question, but maybe broaden it up to because you're, you know, working for a portfolio company doing some ops and BD, you may have a wider aperture on, on the answer to that question. So someone thinking about getting out of service and making a transition, what advice would you have? So one right off the bat is take some time for the transition. Something that I don't think I did particularly well was give myself that time really to adjust and take that introspection to figure out those next steps. It might sound a little bit unassuming, right? But for me, I felt like if I took time to myself or I let took too much time in between the next endeavor that I wasn't making progress. Um, and I yeah. think at the beginning of the transition, what that led to was I would just you know sprint to get something and maybe find out it wasn't for me and sprint to do the next thing, right? And then that wasn't for me. And so I think if I would take some time at the beginning, let decompress a little bit, think about it, do some self-reflection and introspection, that would have been helped ease the transition, so to speak. That'd be one point. Another piece of advice would be not to let other people define your path for you. And what I mean by that, right? I just am truly blessed, and I know a lot of veterans are blessed by the support that's out there once you leave. And people genuinely want to help. However, I think that there's also a lot of advice given during that, and people try to define how you need to get to where they think you want to go. I just truly believe that you're master of your own fate and have that confidence and pride and those skills that you learned in the military will guide you right to where you need to be. Yeah. Those are good points. I was thinking when you were talking about you didn't take a pause that it's always okay to take a knee and rest. And that's almost a cultural thing because, you know, when you're in uniform, like you're never supposed to have an idle moment, right? You're always going, going, going. There's always something to be done, prep for the next thing. But when you're making a big transition like that, maybe it is worthwhile just kind of sitting one out and thinking about where it is, what your next steps are going to be. All right. I want to get into kind of bringing this to a close, but also ask you about one of the charities that you're involved in. So you're a volunteer for a charity called Legacies Alive. And it's amazing. A lot of the guys that bring on shows like this do stuff like this. So I definitely want to promote this as much as we can, let people know what they're all about. Tell us about Legacies Alive and how did it get started and what does it do? Sure. So Legacies Alive is a nonprofit, as you said, and our mission is to provide unwavering support to Gold Star families. And really, the origins of it was one of our founders, my brother's one of them as well, but he, you know, transitioned out of the military and he was working in an awesome job in, in corporate America, but he just felt this emptiness. He almost felt that he was moving on and other people were still fighting the war. So he set out to walk a kilometer for everyone killed in action since 9-11. If you want to know what that looks like on a map, that's walking from Seattle down to San Diego, across the Savannah, Georgia, and finishing 
up in Baltimore, Maryland. And really, you That's know, crazy. yeah, he's an amazing human. And along the way, he and his wife just, and my brother got up and said, hey, they're going to do it. We didn't know anything about, you know, what it, even what a nonprofit really was. But we decided, look, we saw a pattern for Gold Star families. And that pattern was initially, you know, they receive abundant supports for their loss or for their fallen hero. But over time, and in no way, negatively speaking, time, space, distance, that support wanes. And this, these families are still left with the loss of their sacrifice. So we wanted to set out to change that pattern. And really, you know, along Mike's journey walking, we decided to form uh, Legacies Alive. And we really do that in three ways. We bring Gold Star families together to really help them support each other. And we want to be there everywhere along the way. Second, we do legacy projects, which we define as projects that are really, really meant to uh, memorialize uh, the fallen hero. Not so much as the person in uniform, but really who that person was both inside the, or wearing the uniform and also to their, their family and their community. And so we do that. And then finally, we went on to continue this kind of trend, which we call legacy events. And that's where we have Mike walked all that way. We had another friend of ours that swam the entire length of the Mississippi River to really raise awareness for Gold Star families. That's nuts. He, he swam up or down the river? He definitely swam down the river, Frank. <laughs> yeah, Man, that's, <laughs> I don't know. You're Navy SEAL. Maybe, maybe, maybe that stuff can happen. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was that's uh, that's remarkable. You know, one of the things that uh, observe, and this isn't just true of service members that pass, but anybody that passes, is that there's a whole lot of attention right around the immediacy of the event, and the people I think feel the loneliest. The one, the survivors feel the loneliest is months weeks and months afterwards and all that stuff fades away. People have to go back to their day jobs and whatnot. They're still left carrying that. So it sounds like you guys are kind of filling in the gaps a little bit there. And certainly from a legacy standpoint, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes for anybody who wants to learn more. Thank and you. I'd love to add a note too. Just we are trying to do a dual interview today. Tried to have your brother Mark on. He's out working hard and flying, didn't touch down in time. But what's amazing to me is that you went to Annapolis, went into the SEALs, he went to West Point and went into the Rangers after that. So you both have done some super elite things and, and doing and continue to do so in your career afterwards. Then obviously that has spilled over into your charitable work and efforts. So thank you for that. If there's someone listening to the show and wants to ask you a question, is there someplace online that they can find you? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, DJ Faldowski. Always happy to help however I can. And from Legacies Alive. Our contact info is also up there, and that can be found at LegaciesAlive.com. Yep, LegaciesAlive.com. That's awesome. We'll definitely we'll put a link in the show notes, too, so folks can find it. If you're listening and want to come back later. Hey, DJ, I want to thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing your experience, and all the work that you're doing with Legacies Alive. Frank, thank you so much for having us, and thank you for giving this platform to hopefully uh, help other veterans through this transition. And... I'll never forget it, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. 
That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.